Blaney, Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Special guest Lucas Panzica playing the special music for Coach Mac. Actually, he's not a special guest. He produces us every day. Alex Apple is a special guest, though, filling in for Blaine. It's a lot to get to, Coach. It's the 225th birthday of Tennessee today. So happy birthday to Tennessee. Also, we got into this lengthy discussion because I want people from Memphis and Nashville to get along better than what they do because I've lived in both places. I gave sort of an off-the-cuff history of pro football in Memphis, and I don't know if I – maybe I got off on some details or something, Coach, but we have Annette on the line who wants to join the discussion who worked for the World Football League in Memphis. Annette, welcome to the show. Hit us with some history, Annette. Thank you so much. I listen every day. I – I, you know, I can get the uh, the thought about the Memphis and Nashville being so so different. I went to high school here, Joelton High School, which is no longer um, a high school, of course, 1970, and um, worked all four years in college in the sports information department. My first two years at Middle Tennessee State under the wonderful Jim Freeman, and then I transferred to Memphis State at the time. Uh, and worked all worked two years there. So um, I had a job literally waiting for me when I came out of college with the World Football League in 1974. It was fabulous two years with uh, wonderful, wonderful stories. Or as I and say, so what a did you do for people have to do. Um, I was in the PR department. I was a journalism major at Memphis State and uh, wrote sports, always worked in sports, as I said, all those years in the sports information department. And, and so Mr. Bassett, who was the owner of that team, was just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, my boyfriend at the time, who became my husband briefly later on, ran Fridays in, in Memphis, which was a fabulous hot place in the early 70s. And uh, Mr. Bassett and the coaches and players, of course, would congregate there. And my boyfriend at the time, who ran the place, said, hey, my girlfriend's in sports information and is about to graduate. and um, met with them and got a job. Annette, that's amazing. Uh, it, and you guys had some real star power on that team. I mean, you recruited some Miami Dolphin superstars to come and play in Memphis. Yes, the, the second the second year, the second year we got uh, uh, Zaga Kick and Warfield, of course, to come to Memphis. And at the time, and I wrote a story about this many many years ago. So I followed after after the World Football League. I followed as the PR director for the Atlanta Hawks when Mr. Turner on the team, and then uh, World Tennis, the PR person for the men's tennis tour back in the 70s, the golden age of tennis, Borg, McEnroe, Connors. Um, but in the Memphis days, it was the most fun you can ever imagine. And when Zonka Kick and Warfield came to town, as I was about to mention, I'd written a story. Not, of course, it's so long ago, I've forgotten some of the details, although I have tons of press clippings. You know, they were making almost nothing in Miami, literally nothing in today's terms, like under $100,000. People can't believe that when you think about it. But they each got, Zonka got just a hair over a million, as did Warfield, and I think kicked, you know, around 900000 again, as my memory's going. And uh, it was a fabulous time because our coach, the wonderful John McVeigh, grandpa to Sean McVeigh, now with the L.A. Rams, was our head coach. And we had Heisman wow. Trophy winner John Hewitt the first year right. in 74. Danny White, who went on to play at the Cowboys. And, of course, you know, the star power, as you mentioned, was Zonka Kick and Wolfsdale. Well, Annette, this I mean, is fascinating. And here's what we need to do. You keep in touch 
make sure Lucas gets your info. We need when we get back in the studio, you just need to come and hang out and tell stories for like an hour on the air one day. That'd be fantastic. I thought about it for so many years, and I'm so technically bad at phone, email, text, all that sort of thing. And heaven knows what I would Twitter if I tried to do that. But, uh, yes, I want to do that. I've been meaning to call for a long, long time. So, Well, uh, you are now my favorite caller that we have on the station, period. So it, you, Lucas can put you back on hold. He can get your info. But let's keep this conversation going again someday, all right? And I, I don't know who the mayor of Jolton is. I, I hear you guys say that all the time, but I never called a name. But <laughs> Well, we just hope you guys have dug out of the snow over there. We know Jolton and Snowton. But, Annette, thank uh, you for the oh, phone I'm, call. We'll I've catch always, up I've always lived in town. But um, my brother, who's 81, still lives in Jolton, the only place he's ever lived except when he was away in college playing football. Well, we love it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yes, ma'am. Annette, how about that, Coach Mack? I don't wow. know. There are a lot of people who've seen other leagues kind of come and go, but the World League, when they started, their deal was, like she said, they found a bunch of underpaid NFL superstars and offered them all kinds of money to come and play. Well, that's the same thing that happened uh, with USFL. USFL, too. yeah. You know, no, that, that, that's the way they got those guys to come there. I mean, they, you know, they were taking number one draft choices, Herschel Walker and, you know, the whole, the whole crew. Uh, that's the way those that's the way those leagues started up, and what they were trying to do is they you know they were getting uh, people uh, with money that wanted to start, and then they were what they were wanting to do is is somehow maybe get one or two teams assimilated in the National Football League. You know, and the NFL did that with the AFL, but right. they weren't going to do that to anybody else because they knew they knew this was going to happen. You're going to run out of money. You're going to run out of money because they didn't have, they did not have enough people at the games and they did not have a big enough TV contract. And so, you know, those players, you can't blame those players, you know, Kick and Zonka and Warfield for leaving at the end of their career, you know, for, for a lot of money because, you know, people don't understand. I mean, when I, when I got to the Bears, I mean, Walter Payton, when I got there at the end, you know, towards the end of Walter's career, he, he just got his first million dollar contract about yeah. 10 years into his career. So, uh, you know, you can't blame those guys for doing it, but that's what they were doing. They were throwing money at those at those guys, and then just hoping, hoping that they could they could last long enough that they might get assimilated. You know, they never did, but uh, it's pretty interesting. Well, Coach well, Mack, not- people keep trying. I mean, are we gonna? Is there is there any space now for another league in the spring, or you well, ne- spring, do you ever but, see that being successful? Yeah, the, the XFL spring, or otherwise, the, the spring is fine. I mean, the, the, the spring, I think the spring has got a, 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 I thought the Alliance had a chance, you know, but Charlie Ebersol spent too much money too early, you know, and he was, and, and what he did, he overpaid, he overpaid the coaches. They weren't paying the players, but they overpaid the coaches. And then they tried to overstaff all of those teams. That's how Charlie Ebersol ran out of money. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, paying the players, but there's, a, there's a place for it in the spring. I mean, I would go to those games down there in Birmingham, you know, with, with Chris Mortensen because his son, Alex, was was coaching you know there on the on, on the iron and th- you know we were watching it and when you watched what they were doing everything they were doing protocol wise they had NFL people working it and so it had a chance to go but they just had to know what their niche was you know don't try to be something that you can't be just stay just stay into what you are but yeah there's a I think there's a real chance a real place for a, a spring league but it's got to have money. Mm-hmm. Coach Dave McGinnis on with us, brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. 
Coach has us covered every Tuesday, usually in hour number two of the show. Let's get into this. We can get into the Julio Jones thing, Coach, but I want to ask you this. When you, as a, as a staff, you're sitting around and you're trying to make a deal or not on an established player in the league, but you know it's going to take a first-round pick, a second-round pick, what does a guy have to have shown you or what all goes into the thought press, the thought process of sacrificing a top-level pick saying, okay, we'll trade you this first or second rounder to bring this guy in because this guy can do what? Is it because he's the guy that can take that last step to the Super Bowl for the team? What would you have to see from somebody to give up such a high draft pick to get them? Well, first of all, nobody, no one player can guarantee you a Super Bowl. That's just the way it is. I mean, that's just, you know, that that's not that that's not what you do it for. What you do it for is to try to round round out your roster. But the first thing you do when you're going after a veteran player that is carrying a pretty good paycheck and it's going to cost you something. You look at his health. That's what you look at. Because, you know, if you, if you bring a guy in and he's only available for three games or four games or five games, then you haven't helped yourself at all. So the, the whole health check on a veteran player is the biggest thing that, that you look at first. And then you look at, the, you look at the compensation as to how it's going to not only affect what you're doing financially with your club this year, but what you, it's going to do to your, your club, you know, in, in, in the future years. You've got to weigh all of that. And then the other thing that you, you have to be able to weigh is, is, is how much, just like what uh, the Titans did with Miami, how much are they willing to pay? Because, look, Atlanta can't carry it. They, 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 they've already, they, they cannot carry it. So how much are they willing to pay to be able to take that number off of their books? That's what you're looking at right now. And so there's a whole lot of different permutations to it, but you don't bring a guy in saying this is the last final piece because there's just too much that can go on in a 17 week season for one guy to be the final piece. Is there a certain number of years? Let's say that, let's say he gets a second round pick gets gets you Julio Jones. Is there a certain number of years in your mind you think if we trade away a second, we need to get at least this many years out of this guy if we can? Well, the other thing you look at is Julio Jones. Is he going to want to redo his contract? You know right. when he gets here, that's big. I mean, you know, if he wants to redo his contract, you know, very seldom do players want to redo their contracts for less money. You know, I mean, that just, you know, that doesn't happen. So you've got to look at all of those things that are happening. I mean, I, you know, I, all of those things have to go into consideration and those things have to go into consideration. You know, I think Jimmy Sexton is his agent. All of those things have to go in, in conjunction with the agent. So there's a lot of things that go on there and it has to be, it has to be a win-win for both, uh, both parties, you know, the player, and then the club that's, that's acquiring the player, and also, you know, the, the 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 club that is that is losing the player too. But if they've already made the decision that he's not going to be with them, then yeah. they're going to have to give up give up something to be able to take that off their books. Yeah, absolutely. Coach Dave McGinnis joins us like he does every Tuesday uh, in the second hour of the program. Coach, let me ask you this: AJ Brown, whomever else, uh, Taylor Lewan on social media campaigning for Julio or any other player for that matter, doesn't really mean anything. I, I mean, I wouldn't think. But would a player like that pick up the phone and call John Robinson? I mean, is there a culture in some organizations where that would matter to a GM, or is that just basically something for us to talk about on the radio? 
Well, I mean, you know, the, the players, you know, talking to a player or calling a player saying they would like him, there, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's, it, it goes on all the time. Ever since free agency has started, that has gone on because, uh, you know, and if a player calls a player and talks to him about coming to their place, uh, it's not tampering. You know, they're just, you know, players are players, you know, talking on the grapevine like they always do. And so, but as far as, you know, saying, is that going to be the, the factor that swings it? It's not going to be the factor that swings it, but it'd be, it's nice to know that if you are the player that is being pursued, that the other players on the team really would like to have you. That matters because, you know, the culture in the locker room matters. And, and as you're coming in, especially as a big time player like Julio Jones is, uh, you know, you like to know that the guys that you're coming to really want you there. So it doesn't hurt at all. But if you're Ryan Tannehill or A.J. Brown, do you would you anticipate that they've said anything to John Robinson, even if it's passing in the hallway, tongue in cheek, how you doing? Hey, bring Julio. Or is that something that they really wouldn't broach with him, uh, you know, in that type of manner? Well, they could say it to him. You know, they could absolutely say it to him, Alex. It's just not going to it's not going to sway the case with the general manager. You know, as I say, I mean, because just of the things that I just talked about earlier. Alex, all of those things have to fall in place. You have a lot, a lot of considerations that have to fall in place when you're acquiring players of, uh, of this magnitude and that make this much of a difference money-wise, especially this year. Well, let me ask you this, because we probably already talked too much about a 32-year-old receiver that isn't even on the team. Um, when it comes to the changing culture about OTAs and veterans' presence there or lack thereof, how much of a loss is it if you were just, you know, back Dave McGinnis coached the Arizona Cardinals again and had a team with a lot of, um, you know, less attendance or, or some, you know, in mass not attending at all these voluntary OTAs, how much of a difference would that have made for you as a coach? Or what's the impact of that? I mean, does it make a difference? Maybe it doesn't. Well, it's a CBA. I mean, it, it was it, it was collectively bargained and that's and they they. They, they got this in their collective bargaining agreement. That's voluntary. So you, so as soon as this came in, Alex, when I was coaching, you live with it. That's exactly what you do. And then so you just concentrate on the players that are there and knowing that those other guys are going to be there. And I think, you know, something that, that really kind of moved the needle a little bit on this was what happened last year because nobody was there anytime. Nobody was there anytime, and you still played every game. And you played every game and, and still took it all the way through to the Super Bowl. And so it, it's not – Look, if you if if you as a as a coach and as a coaching staff, you've got to be comfortable enough in your own skin to know that you are going to be able to make it work, you know, under the guise of what the rules are. You can't get all worried about trying to micromanage something that has been collectively bargained. That is, you know, that is would be a a, a blatant violation if you said, hey, I don't care what the CBA says, you've got to be here. You can't do that. That's not the world of professional football now. Just not. Um, with Coach Mack talking uh, all things Titans and NFL, there are a bunch of young dudes who are getting some great work, Coach, including a bunch of second-year guys who didn't get to do any of this stuff last year. Yeah, well, that's important. It's important for them, you know, just, you know, just, you know, watching Darrington Evans, you know, out there, and, you know, and being able to watch Christian Fulton, you know, out there. I mean, this is important for them. And the, the point that you bring up is, is very real. They didn't get anything of this last year, and, and they were injured. And so they really haven't had – any type of baptism into the National Football League as far as, you know, a, a lengthy game experience. And so this, this, this is helping a lot. This helps them a lot. And, and, they, and they know that they needed it. You know, they all know that they needed it. 
you know, and so th- that is, that's important. And that's what you look at right now. And, and, you know, without a lot of veterans there, then, then the, the coaches can really spend all their time, you know, with these young players, because these young players, when they come into the national football league, regardless of how prominent they were at their universities, whatever division it was, you know, it's still, you come into the national football league, you don't know whether you're foot or horseback. It's a different world for those guys, a different world. And so this is helping them get both feet on the ground. And the longer that they can do this, the better off they're going to be. They need to be taking advantage of this. Well, I look at somebody like Darrington Evans, who Titans fans didn't get much of a look at at all last year. But, you know, my school, Arkansas State, is a Sunbelt school. I saw way too much of this guy. He is such a versatile chess piece. I know he ran, did some work at wide receiver, can work in the return game, can run the ball. I think he's a real interesting guy, Coach. Again, we only got a peep at what he could do last year, but he could be a really interesting part of this offense uh, going forward. Yeah, he, he was working at receiver just, just to learn how to run routes. He's not going to play receiver, but he is going to he is going to uh, move move out of the backfield and, sure. and, get, and, get, and get spread out to try to get matchups. He will do that. And so, yes, I mean, that's why he was brought in here. And the other thing about him, too, Mickey, I know we've talked about it, you and I have, standing out there at practice. I mean, he's not just a little scat back. I mean, he ran the inside and the outside zone there at App State a lot, a lot. He, he, knows how to, he knows how to run that, so you don't have to change your run game at all when he's in there. He can run that inside and outside zone. He can run the gap scheme. He can, he can do it all, but he needs to be healthy. He needs right. to be healthy, and he needs to get this under him because, look, if you're not healthy and you're not available, well, then it's, you can't talk about you because, I mean, you and I are doing as much good as they are if they're not healthy. Well, I heard you on J. Martin Ramon this morning, too. You're the hardest working man in show business. You guys are talking about Monty Rice, and it sounds like they're really – like he's he's getting a lot of work right now, a lot of work from the head coach. Well, yeah, and that's good because, you know, Mike Vrabel is, you know, is, is, is teaching him exactly what he's going to have to be able to take on, especially being back there, you know, calling, calling everything out. And, look, it's, it's completely different for him, too. Those second-level players that come into the league, I've had a lot of rookies in my years of coaching the National Football League – come in and stand behind that line. I mean, their, their whole field of vision is entirely different in the National Football League than it, than it is in the collegiate game. And things happen so much quicker. Offensive linemen are so much more athletic. They're on top of you so much faster. You've got to be able to, you know, to, to key and diagnose and then read and react and then use your, use your hands, you know, because you basically if you're a better athlete in the collegiate game, you can get by with dipping your shoulders and playing a jazz game against blockers. You can't do that in the National Football League. You've got to get arm extension and you've got to shock and shed and get off because the offensive line and the people blocking you are too athletic. They're too good and they're too big. So there's a lot of things that you have to learn. And this is a great time for him. You know, and I, I told that today on, uh, you know, this morning, if you heard me, I mean, you know, Raven one time, you know, said, okay, look, you know, for a while, nobody else talk. Let him call it all, which is good. This is what you got to do. You, if a guy's going to wear the hat, you've got to put the hat on him. And so that's good for him. Would you say short of maybe quarterback? I mean, that position is the thinking man's position, right? I mean, it's probably chief on the defense as far as, you know, having to have the requisite intellect to play that successfully. Yeah, two, two, two places, Alex. You know, the, 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 the signal caller, the green dot guy, all right, at the second level linebacker, and then the safeties, you know, because the safeties have to make a lot of adjustments. The National Football League is a game of adjustments, you know, especially against personnel, motion, splits, all of those types of things. Those two, those two positions have a, a better view of all of it. Safety's clearly their back further. They see it. 
but it happens it happens to them a little later. On the line of scrimmage as a middle linebacker, you've got to be able to key and diagnose really quick. And a lot of and your defense depends on you getting them in the right spot with shifts and motions because you're not going to stay stagnant as a defense, especially your front seven. When they start shifting and motioning and moving people, you've got to readjust to put yourself in the best uh, uh, place to be able to defend what you think is coming. So I would say, yes, I mean, absolutely. They've got to know it. They've got to know it like a coach there and at the safety particularly. What's the best way, uh, Coach Mack, with us? Uh, one of my last question for you would be, what is the best way then? I'm, I'm always so curious in the evaluation of this to assess during the draft process, whatever time you get with them, whether it's in person during a normal year or now virtually, what have you, uh, an ability, a guy's ability to take on something quickly, right? May have been, may have looked really smart in college because he was a great athlete, but you don't know until you probably have a conversation with him, right? I mean, is that one of, is that harder to assess than athletic traits, which you can see on film, you can see them at the combine, you can see them in many places. Yeah, it is because you got to get to know the person first. And then, you know, because you can get by, you can get by on athleticism in college. You really can. You can get by on really, on really great athleticism. But when you start getting nuanced into what it takes to, to be able to play down in and down out, week in and week out in the National Football League, then you've got to know the person. And you've got to know, you've got to know not only how they can grasp what you're doing, but how they can handle it in a stress situation. Because, you know, it's, it's easy to make those calls in a walkthrough. But it's not so easy to make those calls when, you know, everybody's flying past you and then at the same time hitting you in the face. So you've got to get to know the person. And that that takes time. Coach, we love getting to know you talking football with you every week. Thank you for the time and uh, can't wait to talk to you next week, sir. Guys, it's my pleasure. Mickey, always great to talk to you. And it's great to talk to a fellow frog, Alex Apple. UTC, you guys stick together. Thank you, Coach. Uh, See you guys.